This is the One Up Sales Development Podcast. A podcast made by SDRs or SDRs. This one goes out to all the hustlers on the phones each and every day, slugging it out. If you're new and you need help with cold calling, I got you. Hey, Bob, may I have 27 seconds 27, just to explain the reason for my call? And you can decide if we should continue or not. Personalization with relevancy. I got you. Hey, Bob, I noticed you have a lovely garden and you love to grow plants. Incidentally, what are you doing today to grow your sales team? Overcoming objections. I got you. Hey, Bob, the last thing I like to do is send over information that is irrelevant. To narrow this down, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Would that be all right? How to extract information and make friends with gatekeepers. I got you. Hey Sally, I'm not even sure if Bob's the right person I should be speaking to. Would it be alright if I explain the reason for my call and perhaps maybe you can help? We're in it to win it. Better together. SDRs unite! I'm your host, Jackson Lil. Everyday practitioner. From the front lines for the front lines. to the game, baby. Practice what you preach. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the One Up Sales Development Podcast. This is the official 12 Days of Christmas, 12 interviews, 12 hours of pure raw content. Introducing the first guest, the first ever C Lover exec to come on the One Up Sales Development Podcast, Mr. Tom Williams, CEO and co founder of DealPoint.io. DealPoint.io is a customer-centric selling platform that helps align sales teams and their buyers so everyone is working towards the same goal. Platform provide insights such as guided discovery, deal management, deal review at scale, and of course, intent data for forecasting. Can't sell what you don't know, son. So imagine that, you're an AE, right? And you're selling to all these clients, you're pushing them down the pipe, you're doing all the discovery, you're sending out the proposal, and they don't know where where they're at in the sales process. Come on, baby. You gotta give them insights. It's a two-way street, two-way communication, two-way process, baby. Sell smarter, faster, stronger, wiser. Dealpoint.io. And you know what I really love about Tom is that he's also the former co-founder of Presspoint CRM. So when it comes to building a tech and SaaS company or a startup, yeah, yeah, I'd say you know a thing or two. <laughs> so a few key takeaways from this episode that you get here with uh, Tom Williams from DealPoint.io is that if you're someone like me, tech and SaaS savvy, you love technology, you constantly think of ideas and solutions, and you come up with a great idea. So What's one key takeaway that you can learn from someone who's been there to be successful when it comes to building a startup? Well, I tell you this, it's not external, it's internal. It's not business, it's personal. It's your significant other. My wife is instrumental to our success. You know, she, su- she supported the decision, she just supported the... You know, there were a couple of years when the income wasn't great. All right, so you're a hardcore hustler. You found a niche. You're coming up with a solution. You got an idea. You know it is the one. You know that it, you're gonna, it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of hard work, dedication, and late night sacrifices. You know that. But don't forget to ask yourself this from someone who's 
been there. So can you wait for a whole year? Can you live on zero income for a whole year? And one of the biggest challenges that tend to go is, and it kind of sucks too, I see this a lot, you know, you came up with an idea, you came up with a product solution, and you own it. You, you work your ass off for it, late nights, hard work, sacrifice. This, this company, this startup is your baby. But what happens is that if you go out and you start to get funded and get other ideas, you kind of lose equity and you kind of lose of what you own, kind of what you created. Like, were you really in there to make a difference? Did you give up? Are you calling quits on it? Are you there for just the money? Well, if so, then uh, take this last advice from Tom. And then don't go out for funding until you absolutely have to. Mr. Tom Williams, thank you again so much for coming on the 1UP Sales Development Podcast, for sharing your stories and sharing your insights when it comes to outbound prospecting, what's broken, how to make the approach, and how to really not kill the golden goose. You are the first ever C-level exec to come on the 1UP Sales Development Podcast, and I truly, truly, truly appreciate you from the bottom of my heart, and I mean it sincerely. And of course, this podcast wouldn't be possible without our first official sponsor, Better Grove. So this podcast is brought to you by Better Grove, a software consultancy that helps companies reduce churn, increase adoption, and improve revenue generation. If you're interested in a free 30-minute consulting session with their award-winning team, head over to www.bettergrowth.com. That's www.bettergrowth.com. Accelerate revenue and reduce churn. <laughs> Enjoy this episode, guys. Hey, welcome back to another edition of the One Up Sales Development Podcast. I am truly, truly, truly blessed and honored to propose to you for our next featured guest. This individual is actually the first one and only Thusfar C-level executive coming in hot. <laughs> this person started out, uh, well, a long, long, long time ago. He's been in the game. He started out over as an editor and worked his way up into the marketing side. Got his hand wet and dirty in terms of marketing. Worked his way up the ranks. Became a co-founder of several companies. He was also the VP of sales and marketing over at Cloud Engage. Please give me a warm welcome for the one and only Sales development leader as well, Mr. Tom Williams, CEO and co-founder of DealPoint.io. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. You know, oh. the funny thing is, uh, being called Tom Williams, I'm rarely called the one and only. Uh, I've actually, I've, I started a LinkedIn group called People Call Tom Williams Who Do Sales and Marketing. There are 6,000 Tom Williamses on LinkedIn who do sales and marketing. So... <laughs> It's an honor to be called the one and only. I don't think it's ever happened in my life. <laughs> oh my God, Tom. Thank you so much for hopping on the 1UP Sales Development Podcast. We are truly happy and excited to have you here. Welcome aboard. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Tom, without further ado, um, for our audience here, why don't you go ahead and just give us just a, a little brief introduction about uh, who you are, what, what, what do you currently do, and what exactly is dealpoint.io? Yeah, I'll give the, 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 the one-minute pitch, and then we can move on to more interesting stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> DealPoint is a, it's a sales tool uh, and a buying tool. So our observation was you can have all the sales tools in the world for your sales team, but the guys who have the, the decision to make uh, with all the risk on their side and all the money is actually the, the buyer. So we, we thought 
why don't we make it easier for the buyers to buy? So you've got your Salesforce, you've got uh, Clary, you've got Gong, you've got all those tools. What are we making uh, for the buyer to make it easier? So DealPoint is a mutual action plan that you share in between the reps and the buyers to make it easier for the buyers to understand what the hell is going on in your sales process for them to validate what is important to them, what their timelines are. So you end up with a much more predictable sales process, uh, which closes the deal faster and makes it easier for you to report up to management. This date's gonna is gonna close right here. And I'm confident because we've hit milestones three out of three, we're on track. I believe in this date. Uh, you end up with a happier customers, uh, reps who are more in control, and the managers who have a much stronger grasp of when uh, deals are going to close, which means everybody's happy. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I love that. That's, that's like music to my ears. Okay. So what, what, what I'm hearing is it's made specifically for the buyer, like you mentioned. It's buyer-centric. It's like, hey, in case they're wondering or the client is wondering where they are in the process, they can literally just log in and see where the steps are. Is, is that, is yeah, that it's, it's, like, it's like this. It's like um, you've sold your thing a thousand times before, but they've never bought your thing. They have yeah. no idea. Like you, say you know you have a four-month sales cycle or a six-month sales cycle. You know that. You know all the things that are going to have to happen between today and, and the customer getting value. But the customer doesn't know that because they've never bought your thing. So if you say early on in discovery, this is what the process is going to look like between today and you getting value, you getting your problem fixed. You show so much credibility. Uh, and so you're making a much safer path for them to walk along with you. Uh, at the same time, you're able to get information back from them. So you can say, we know that in this milestone, we need to bring a network analyst in from your side. Who would that be? And before you know it, you're building up your buying team, which is a key part of good discovery but you're, you're doing it in the context of, of helping them. So they oh understand why you're asking them these questions. I and then the that. really cool thing is after you've got a good plan together, now instead of saying, I'm just calling to follow up, you know, three months from now, you can say, I'm not calling to follow up. I'm calling because we're falling behind the plan that we agreed. You told me you needed this to go live by November 1st. Otherwise, you weren't going to hit your project. How can I help you meet your project priorities? And that's such a better conversation than, hi, I'm just calling up to follow up on the email that I sent that was calling to follow up. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. So you're not, you're not following up. You're following through. And oh, I love it. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm going to write yeah. that down. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. And you know, in, in business to business sales, uh, what, what we, we all know that find out works. It's not about you, 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 right. It's about um, taking the pain away. And that, that's amazing, Tom. So how, how, how can, please tell us the history about DealPoint. How did you guys, when did you guys roll out? Who came up with this idea? Was it you yeah. or who, who are we talking yeah, about? No, here? no. So um, about five years, about five years or so ago, I was running sales and marketing at this, uh, it's an electronic test and measurement company. And it was cool. We made literally the best sine waves in the world, the purest sine waves in the entire world. And people like Apple and Sony and Samsung were our customers to design and then uh, manufacture like those headphones would have been tested on yeah. our <laughs> every, every audio company in the world used our gear. And so it was a very technical sale. Um, very, all my salespeople were uh, electrical engineers. 
and they would come to me and I'd say, where, where are we looking on the deals? And they would say, Tom, guaranteed close by the end of the month. And I said, oh, okay. And then from time to time, I'd call up the customers and I'd say, hey, Apple, how's it going? Uh, so uh, here you're going to buy. And then, oh, no, no, we, we saw your new analyzer. It looks cool, but uh, we're not ready to buy. And so there was this big disconnect between the, oh. the sellers heard, wow, that's a cool audio analyzer, uh, which is what the, rep, the, the buyer said. But the buyer was just being polite. The buyer was like, yeah, that's, that's really cool not i'm gonna buy it tomorrow and so i realized there was this big disconnect between what the what the buyers were saying and what my reps were hearing uh, and i kind of kind of you know put that in my in the back of my mind i quit there uh, i i founded a crm company um which had a uh we exited but my advice is don't start a crm company oh, that uh, and then i went to go work for cloud engage which was their uh, enterprise software and so it's a completely different market, completely different everything, but the exact same thing happened. So my reps would hear, wow, that's the coolest looking software I've ever seen. And they would tell me, these guys love it. They're going to buy, guaranteed, going to buy this month. And then, you know, lo and behold, the, the deal didn't close. And so I would call the customer and they're like, yeah, it was really cool software. Wow. Not, thank God you showed me that software. That's going to fix my problem. Please, God, can I buy it right now? And so again, there was this big disconnect. So I just woke up in the middle of the night one night. I was like, if, if only my reps could hear the same, could hear what the, what, the, what the buyers are actually saying and meaning, if they could get on the same page, then everybody would be better off. Like, my guys wouldn't be wasting their time and we wouldn't be wasting the time of the customer either. Like, we needed to find out what is the problem that the customer needs to solve and then how can we help them solve that? And so... It's like sales 101, but when you, when you look at it that way, everything kind of falls into place. Well, they need a, they need a plan to get from here to there. And so over the next couple of years, um, deal point evolved from being a, a place where you could just share meeting information uh, and next steps to a, a mutual action plan software where it's like, all right, these are the steps that we're going to follow. Because if the whole team follows the same process, you have way more predictable results and the reps themselves don't get lost in like, what am I supposed to be doing today? It's, it's, it's much easier if you know what steps you're supposed to follow and you're sharing those steps with your customer because then they know what they're supposed to be doing as well. Nice. So yeah, so three years ago, started the company. Uh, we've got a killer team here now, uh, 14 something people. Uh, and yeah, we make, we're making lives better for sales people and for their customers. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And Tom, congratulations, by the way. I, well, you, you started out, you started a CRM, didn't work out, but you know, you didn't stop there. You kept going and then you got right rolled, back on the horse. Yeah. 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 And then you rolled out deal point. So, and you know, I, I love that. I, I, uh, they say one of the best ways when doing like a demo or whatever that is, whatever the sales process is, is to make the best of it. You got to treat it like you're a project manager. And that's what I'm seeing from uh, DealPoint at uh, IO to what you guys are offering when it comes to buyer centrics. Like, hey, this is where we're at. This is where we expect it to, to be within a certain time frame, and just moving it down and just setting the right expectation in terms of next step. And that's exactly what DealPoint does. <laughs> well, and, and really, so like at, a, at an abstract level, the, what we're doing is we're just encouraging the rep not to focus on the close. If you focus on selling your thing, the the customer's going to smell that from a mile away. And uh, we call it the boat payment. 
if I'm focused on my commission check and my boat payment, you're going to know. It. And the way you can tell is what is what the 22nd today. Yeah. So, you know, come around the 28th, 29th, I'm going to start getting a bunch of calls from vendors saying, how about if I give you a 20% discount? Can you sign? Yeah. They have it. yeah. And I, that's not my needs. That's your needs. So, Ooh. If you can just retrain your brain, it's, it's not about selling your stuff. It's about fixing their problem. You will stand out head and shoulders over all the other people. And that starts right at the beginning of the SDR process. I, I get so many emails. I'm sure everybody gets the emails like, hi, my name is Tom. My software does this. It's, it's irrelevant because what I care about is <laughs> I, I want to make a, I want to, if I'm doing a good uh, outbound, oh my uh, God sequence i'm making an educated guess as to what one of their problems is and i'm offering a perspective on how to fix that problem and yes it's something that i can help with but that's that's my area of expertise but the idea is not just these are my features and it's beautiful that that's not relevant at all it i bet that you have this problem here's an insight to how you could fix that problem i didn't mention the software nice. at all i'm i'm giving them a way to fix their own problem and then, yeah, it is easier to do that with my solution. Uh, but that's not the insight that I'm sharing. I'm not talking about my software. Nice, nice. Oh, my God. This, this is amazing, Tom. And you're like, just what you're saying, you're, you're being highly valuable, right? You're showing some type of value. Yeah. You're, you're trying to fix their problem. Like, hey, oh, oh, hey uh, if, not sure if you have this problem or not. If you do, here's a way to solve it. Oh, and by the way, if you want to, you know, make it way easier, you should take a look at what we offer at Deal. Well, and that's the second conversation. The by the way part, that's yeah. don't even bring that up in the first bit. And yeah, I'm a big fan. Just go ahead and stab out the guess. Don't, don't, don't waste words on. I'm not sure if you have this problem or not. Just, just you know, brazen in say, I bet you have this problem. Or, or even <laughs> even better, if you can see <laughs> like some hint. Like if you if you see some numbers from a, from a report or something that that person said on on LinkedIn, say I bet you have this problem, or wow, just be definitive because if they don't have the problem, they're not going to write back, and if they do, you saved yourself ten words of kind of ifing and butting in the in the script. Just barrel oh. in, and if, and if they say no, then at least you've shown that you because the other response is they could say no, I don't have that problem, but we did last year, but we fixed it but you've already shown that you're the kind of person who understands their typical problems. So if it's something like completely yeah. off the wall, then you've blown it. But if it's something that, that they recognize, Oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Then you're a lot more likely for them to engage and they'll say, yeah, we did have that problem, but we fixed it. Or yeah, we do have that problem. Can you help me fix it? Or what is that problem? I had, I had no idea. And now you're talking about it either way. Just throw, throw like a, a straw man up there as a, is, is this, this, I bet you this is your problem and provide an insight to how to fix it. Not, not buy my software to fix it, but have you thought about um, making the, making your team act more consistently or have you thought about um, presenting your customers with, um, I don't know, with a slightly less squeaky oil, you know, whatever it is you sell. Yeah. Um, that the reason your production line goes slow is because the lubricant you use in the roller wheels uh, is, is probably not ISO compliant, you know, whatever it is. Oh, my and God. then before That's you amazing. know it, you're, you're talking about the, the, the underlying business problems that they face. 
Yes. The, the hard wow. part is how do you how do you find those out? Yeah. That's the hard part. But but then. Oh my god. As an SDR, you have the kind of the responsibility to go push your leadership to say, uh, "Hey, what are our competitive differentiators? What do we know that the other guys don't know?" And I, back pre-COVID, I used to say, you, you, you're, "You're a junior SDR. Go talk to your senior VP of Sales or somebody on the product team and say, "Hi, I just started here." Can I buy you lunch? I really want to understand what makes this company stand out from the competitors so that oh I can position that with our customers better. And first of all, they will be thrilled that somebody is taking an interest in this. They will be happy to tell you, and I promise that they will pay for lunch. So you get a free lunch out of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Kill two birds with one stone. Oh my God. I love that. I love that, man. You just really like the way you presented it too. Just think about the problem they have. Think of what it is and throw out a, uh, finding a way for it to, and sharing that with them. How can they solve that? Yeah. And, and just take it. Don't be afraid. To, Cause if you're wrong, who cares if they're like, <laughs> no, we fixed that problem. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> oh my goodness. Tom, um, so let's, I, I want to dive a little bit deeper. I want, I want to, we will, I want to get to know you more. So where it, it seems to me like you, you were in the UK at a specific time in your life. Where did you grow up? Um, what did your childhood look like? Yeah. So, uh, uh, nobody's ever asked me that on a podcast before Jackson. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, so he, <laughs> this is funny, actually, uh, every, every week here at deal point, we do a weekly challenge where we, we have like a, uh, Wednesdays on at lunchtime, we we take a break, put the put the, the the code away, and we do a weekly challenge. And this week's challenge was show a picture from your childhood. Ooh. So I happened to have a book report <laughs> from when I was ten. Oh no way! I, yeah, I can share what I look like. So that's me as a baby. Aww. You want to see the the youth, and that's me. Yeah, looking ultra cool, age fourteen. Wow! So, you still look like that right now. Ultra cool. <laughs> Ultra cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, I grew up in England, but my dad worked for BP. So I spent about half my life in the US. Um, in, I lived in uh, Kentucky, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, Anchorage, Alaska. But gotcha. always going back to the UK in between. So gotcha. uh, definitely mid-Atlantic. I think it gave me an appreciation for, one, making friends real quick, because I, you know, I kept moving every, every few years. Uh, but also that there's lots and lots of different people in this world and lots of different ways that people interact with each other. So yeah. the sooner you can figure out how this particular person wants to be spoken to and you know what kind of sensibilities they have, the sooner you can, I'd say, mirror that or respect that, the better you're going to be able to establish rapport with them. And you can tell real quick if somebody is a, a jokey, you know, kind of laid back person or if they want to get to the point. The, the quicker you as an SDR can can do a quick little poke and then figure out, okay, this guy's real serious. Okay, I'm going to bump into serious mode. Or they want to josh around and have a little bit of fun. Like, okay, cool. Lay back a bit. The sooner you can figure that out, the, the faster you'll be able to build rapport with these people and get them to open up about their problems so you can hear for those pain points and then you can start to solve for them. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That was 
if, if that wasn't the price of admission right there, I don't know what is. So Tom, you're, you know, that's exactly the trouble that a lot of new SDR and BDRs have nowadays. And yes, you know, sometimes it's great to have a little bit of fun. However, you, you know, this is sales, this is a profession and you have to keep it professional, but you're absolutely right. So you're talking about picking a poke. Like for instance, if you were to call someone on Friday, sometimes they would be like, happy Friday. Oh, Hey, yeah. Happy Friday. Pizza Friday. Or some of them just not really receptive to that. If you're reaching out to an enterprise, maybe a director or a VP and all of a sudden, Hey Tom, happy Friday. This is Jackson. Whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse yeah. me. Who's oh, you're here real quick. Like, hey, how's it going Jackson? Oh, uh, yeah. What do you want? Yeah. You've got to be able to flip on a dime and if they're, yeah, what do you want? Yeah. Be go into super professional, courteous, tight mode. Uh, and it's, it's not easy, uh, but that is one of the things that you can practice uh, at bars you, you, or, or wherever, wherever you're bumping into strangers. Uh, go, and the weird thing is, right, we don't go to bars anymore, right? So you can still, you can still practice. How can I establish rapport with these different personalities? You have to remain true to yourself. You can't suddenly like, put on a Southern accent because the, the, the person's from the South. Uh, but, you know, something, something that somebody did say to me years ago was um i'm i me personally i'm able to find a touch point with nearly every person i talk to so there's nice. there's nearly always something if i if i look on a linkedin there's nearly always like um i was a boy scout so were they a boy scout um did they do they have kids do they do they volunteer somewhere just just some ideally it's something business related but there's, there's nearly always some kind of touch point. Like I've lived a lot of places so maybe they lived in Alaska or um, something. And I can nearly always wind it into the conversation just as a tiny, tiny little icebreaker. I, I don't think the fact that nice. we both went to the same university is necessarily a reason for them to do business with me, but it, it does help in that rapport uh, and trust building that I'm a real person. Yeah, absolutely. Finding common ground. Right, There's something there, like, there must be some kind of angle. Yeah, and I, I understand where you're coming from, and I, I, I and you can correct me if I'm not if I'm wrong. Uh, I truly believe because this is at where the code cause, like you know, common stranger to stranger, our guards go up, and it's like, who's this guy? But it's like, mm-hmm. hey Tom, uh, you know my name is Jackson, yeah, 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 data, and you know what? I noticed you used to work in England, you travel around quite a bit. I actually travel around quite a bit too, and I understand sometimes it could be hard. Yeah, what are there you a few go. Yeah, yeah. Ago, I was like, oh, wow, oh, hey, yo, hey, yeah. cool. Oh, by the way, um, we offer this X, Y, and Z. <laughs> <laughs> it costs $15.99. What's your credit card number? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Tom, I, I love your background, and I noticed. Uh, how long have you been playing music for? Uh, long, a long time. Uh, yeah, I was just going to see if. Uh, I had it. I had it. I I bought that one bass uh, when I was when I was fifteen. So like right. Oh, this, that, this guy was playing that bass. Um, nice. Yeah, long long time. Um, is that is that a Marshall in the back right there? I see. It is. Yeah. So I've got um, got my Marshall and Les Paul for the guitaring. Yeah. And, um, uh, Fender fretless jazz bass. Uh, yeah. with the with the Fender bassman amp right there. But but truthfully, um. 99% of it's plugged into the computer nowadays. <laughs> I've got a wife and kids. They don't really want to hear the rock. So yeah, I'm nearly always just plugged into to Apple logic and making my, uh, making my whole world through my headphones. 
Okay. Okay. So let me ask you this. Um, you're in the basement. That's your, you know, your thing you do. That's uh, how you focus and sometimes relax your mind and truly gain into a different state of mind. Are you constantly, constantly thinking about, you know, the future, what's next for deal point, um, the prospecting that you had for the day or your experience while you're well, just I, jamming I have, out? I have, a, like a, I have a double challenge because I'm the, I'm the co-founder. Um, so I'm in, I'm in charge of sales. Uh, the, 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 actually, the challenge is, is trying to get out of the day-to-day because most of my, uh, an awful lot of my day is reactive. Like I'll have, I'll have a customer meeting. I'll have a, a product decision. Uh, I'll have some prospect. I, I still do prospecting, even though we have a sales team, but always be prospecting. Oh, so, my. Oh. Always, I've, got all, I've always got, I've got all those reactive things working on me, and I have to make a real effort to, to carve out time on my calendar to do some, some more strategic thinking. But it's, it's real easy for, real easy for a week to go by without getting that strategic stuff done because, you know, someone's is, is like a customer's begging for help. How am I not going to go to that before thinking, I wonder how we can make um, the deal point onboard proce- onboarding process better. Uh, obviously the onboarding process can wait because we have something that's good enough. Sure. It could be better, but I've got all these other higher priority things. So it's, it's, it is a challenge to, um, to, to, you have to mindfully carve out time for the strategy. Otherwise it, it falls to the, it falls to the bottom. And then you end up kind of letting events control you, which is not a surefire way of, uh, to success. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. <clears throat> and I, completely understand where you're coming from working at a startup wearing multiple hats and you really need to be shifting gears as you go. But sometimes when you're shifting too much hat at a short amount of time, people tend to lose distance. Uh, they tend to lose focus and it's just a little bit too much, especially, especially when it comes to work-life balance. So I'm curious to hear from you. How do you juggle that? Well, so I have, uh, my wife and I have two boys, six and nine and so I'm, I'm done at 5.30. I'll get up. Hey, I'm done, up, done at 5.30. I'll go have uh, play with the boys till dinner, have dinner, then put them to bed. And then I'll chill, you know, 8, 30, 8 to 8.30 kind of thing. <laughs> and I'll, I'll often come back down here for the 9 to 11 stretch. If, you know, not every night for sure, but many nights I'll come down here and that's when I can, can be more productive because I'm not responding to things. Uh, Slack is not pinging me at, at nine o'clock at night often. Nice. So, um, and I can relax. I feel like I'm not on the clock so I can relax a little bit. And, and like last night I, I, I redid an AdWords campaign and I'd been meaning to do it and meaning to do it, but I didn't get around to it. And so I said, all right, I'm going to do it of an evening. And then the pressure is off because I don't, I don't feel that same pressure as when I'm on during the day. Uh, and then I think the other important thing is early in the morning is set out uh, what do you want to accomplish today and what do you want to accomplish this week? And then that will prevent things slipping into the future because you know, we're, we're, we're process oriented here. So we've got milestones yeah. and working back, I, I wanted to get certain projects in place, but it means I've got to get the, the building blocks in place earlier. I can't just do everything on the last day. So kind of making sure that that's in the calendar and that it's, uh, accounted for early in the week will let me know in the middle of the week if I'm ahead or behind of the game. Gotcha. 
Roger that. Tom, so when you're having a specific go down for the week, um, how are you measuring this? Are you writing it down and then you're coming back to it, taking a look at it, scratching it off as you go, daily goes, weekly goes? What does that look like? Yeah, my, mine is dumb. Mine is, uh, I, I'm, I'm, let's see if I got one. It's, yeah, I do, I do it all on, just on, on paper because oh, I've man. used, I've used every, in terms of like project, ta like task, projects we have on in the computer, but individual tasks, like what do I got to do today? I just find if I put it down on a piece of paper, then I, I get that little check feeling of accomplishment. And yep. I, I can't count how many skeletons of project management systems are lying around. <laughs> we, we use Monday, which is great. Um, we use, I, I, think, I think software is appropriate when you're collaborating with somebody else because there's nobody else here to see my little list. Uh, right. So it, that's great for a team level interaction but personally i just like to have a paper list of things i got to do and then we'll have regular check-ins throughout the week at the at the project management level to say did i deliver on that or you know did the other people deliver nice nice i love it i love it yes and you know simon sinek talks about writing down goals too and especially for individual tasks as you cross it you get a hit of dopamine mm -hmm. and it's a sense of accomplishment and it's funny uh, you know i write down things too like for instance i actually have your right here for two and I just write scratch that and I have other individual tasks that sound well. Um, Tom, so uh, are you familiar with Jim Quick? Uh, say the name again, please. Are you from uh, Jim Quick? He's like known as the brain guy. No, I'm afraid I'm not. I wish I was. Okay. No, no worries. Uh, reason I bring him up. So Jim Quick, he's this brain guy and very big fan of him and I'd like to share something and then I'd like to get your thoughts on that. So yeah. he talks about uh, being reactive and being proactive. He says, for the first morning, right when you wake up, the first hour of the day is the outer day because your brain is in a different, different mental state of mind. Um, talking about waves like uh, alpha, uh, delta, and those mm -hmm. types of specific waves. And when you wake up, uh, your, your, your brain is at the most conscious. So what he says to do is uh, instead of being reactive, you want to be proactive. And the way he does that is uh, he doesn't touch his phone at all. Um, talking about no notifications, no emails, no text messages, just letting it be for the first hour a day and just really just stretch and meditate and write down, writing down the goals that you want to get done. He goes, what he calls is the three by three, uh, three business goals and then three, three personal goals. And he'll be checking out throughout the day. And he says, it's pretty much to train your mind to be a, uh, a thermometer where you set the setting in the setting and not mm -hmm. thermostat where you react to the setting. And the reason why is because if and we all have been through it too, if you were to first wake up and you got something like a bad message, it ruined your whole entire day. I was mm -hmm. wondering, is this something that you practice too as a CEO over at dealpoint.io for your morning routines? Uh, just so so my, it's, I've got elements of it. Um, I, I'm normally in the seat here by before eight. So it's not crazy early. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm here working at eight but I, I do my absolute best not to book anything until nine. So my, my calendar is nearly always, it's like if I go to talk to somebody in Europe, then of course they, they can have that early slot. But I, I try my best to keep that open so that I can do planning and thinking and yeah, not, not be reactive. But I, I definitely look at emails that have come through to see if there's something a high priority because I, I'm not, 
I think the, the faster you respond to somebody, the, the more they appreciate you and the more likely you are to be successful. So if, um, if, if a, a customer is asking me a question, I want to get back to them real quick. And yep. we, have, we have customers in, in Asia and in Europe. So it could, oh. it could be 12 hours already since they asked the question, but I, I didn't see it. So I don't want to, I don't, I wouldn't be able to work for that hour knowing that there could be some burning time bombs that's about to land on me. So gotcha. I would, I would much rather know, okay, there's nothing urgent here. Or if there's something I can hand over to somebody else, then I know it's taken care of. And then I can get into the, the, what am I going to do? But I do try my best in that hour not to dig into practical things. Like, Got it. because if I do that, then the minute you start digging into something practical, it's, you're back in reactive mode. And so I like it because I can dig in and I can fix the problem. But that first hour, I really want to be like inventing problems, not fixing them or identifying (laughs) problems, not fixing them. Uh, But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to do that, free my mind of that. If I, if I had this, I wonder if I sent out a bunch of emails yesterday, did any of them write back? I, I wouldn't be able to concentrate knowing that those answers might be sitting there. Gotcha. And I did recently quit Reddit. I was a, I was a Reddit addict. Oh, I really? Reddit, I was looking at Reddit constantly. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a week and a half clean now of, of no Reddit. And I also quit CNN and, uh, you know, all those other like news cycle sites. So I'll look at the BBC News and The Economist um, will tell me what's happening on, on a week long scale. And then I still look at Axios for, for a day long, but only a couple times a day because Nothing has probably happened in the last hour that I need to know about, but I was constantly, they call it doom scrolling. So I was oh. constantly just looking at it and I was like, geez, I'm wasting a lot of time here. So, um, I, I cut those out of my life and I've got, I've invented another hour of life by not constantly looking at, at CNN doom scrolling. Oh, read it. <laughs> Okay, you gotta, okay. you gotta be you gotta be well informed by all means but yeah probably nothing happened in the past hour that didn't happen two hours ago okay media consumption so what what were you really looking on on, on reddit and cnn were you just um you mentioned you used to be an addict on that were you just constantly just reading articles all day every day whatever the yeah i like i like uh, i like malicious you're walking me down the road you watch tomorrow i'm gonna be back at it <laughs> uh, i liked uh i like tales from your tales from your server uh yeah. which is Stories about bad behaving um, people in, in restaurants. Okay. Uh, I liked malicious compliance, which is where people are told to do something stupid and they do it in a, in a unkind way. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, Reddit, Reddit has, Reddit has something for everybody. I thoroughly recommend it to anybody with an extra hour of life. Amazing. You have an hour of life that you need to burn. Reddit's fantastic. Okay. Okay. So uh, I, I'm familiar with Reddit. I never really dove into their, their content, but talk to me about just what, 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 what do you get from that when you were doing it? Like what, what was the, what was the, oh, what no prompted learning. you to just, uh, I mean, what, what prompted me was that it, it was a hundred percent distraction. So I didn't have to think about all the, you know, the prospects I really should be, uh, really should be calling on. They're still there, but if I have a quick half hour Reddit, then I can not think about it for a minute. Or, oh my God, what am I going to do with our whatever process? Um, 
Yeah, it was, it was pure, pure escapism that you can turn off. It's not like a TV show where you've got to watch the end of it. Reddit never ends. So <laughs> I could just take, I could take a five minute or a 10 minute or rapidly turn into half hour. And that's why I quit because it wasn't productive. So gotcha. um, yeah, if I can take a half an hour, it'd be so much more productive to take the guitar off the wall and dink around on that for 20 minutes rather than just sit there and have absolutely no productivity with the, with the Reddit. I also like Boing Boing, by the way. Shouts out to Boing Boing. <laughs> boing Boing. What, what is Boing Boing? Boing Boing.net. It's just, it's uh, the best of the internet, just random stuff. But okay. it's, uh, it's, it's much more curated. So you only go there once a day and get all the stuff from the internet from that day. All the, all the funny stuff. Okay. Uh, is, is there meme and gifs in there too? What's that? Are there memes and gifs in there? Or yeah, oh, yeah. Something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> boing, boing. Right, yeah, boing, boing, that. Okay, so there it is for the record, you guys. Boing, boing.net. So if you want to disconnect or something like that, uh, I'll probably have to check that out too. Um, Tom, when you were on this Reddit, where, would you be in the basement playing music too as well? Or are, are these just two separate times? Uh, well, well, Reddit aside, uh, I try to get out of the basement as much as I can because uh, it's, it's dingy down here. So, but pre-COVID, we had this gorgeous office. It was, it was full floor to ceiling, uh, windows. I had a, a, a rooftop patio. It was gorgeous. Nice. It was great. And now, now I'm, you know, now I'm in my basement. So it's <laughs> not as nice. I guess the one nice thing is that I, I feel more comfortable down here actually, because when I was in the office doing calls, there were people on either side of me and, you know, desks and I had my headset on and all that. And I definitely felt more self-conscious because I'm trying to do a sales call and I'm surrounded by other people. So here oh. it's, it's just me and the microphone and I got the speakers putting the audio back out to me. Um, so it's, I actually, that part I like more uh, for being down here. Uh, but I will often, after the kids go to bed, I'll often work upstairs on the kitchen table just to get a breath of fresh air and, you know, be able to hang out with the pets and stuff like that. Gotcha. And you're, you're in Portland, correct? Yes. Yes. Nice. Beautiful Portland. And hey, you know, I, I really believe, and I just want to say it out there, that Reddit, wasn't reddit you know that reddit at the time around your environment was actually your basement at the palm of your hands <laughs> just yeah. a little quick disconnect like hey yeah boom 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 just disconnect real quick and i think that's a uh, well i'm not encouraging you to go back to reddit but <laughs> i think that's a very good practice because you gotta just sometimes throughout the day you just gotta just boom disconnect or come back and say okay yeah. but but disconnect and do something productive that, that's Get some modeling clay out. Just do something so that at the end of the 20 minutes, you can say, well, at least I made a, a model or yeah. it was Lego. Do, so, do something other than just scroll your life away. And like, I don't do yeah. any social media except for LinkedIn, which is strictly business. Yes. Uh, you, yeah, you're, and you can't learn all the time. I, I, I know about people who listen to podcasts while they're doing the dishes. That's great, but you can't, you can't do that all the time. But if yep. you are going to take a break, Try to make it creative, if at all possible. Uh, failing that boing boing, failing that Reddit. Yeah, I love it, and and you're absolutely right. If if I mean, you know, it comes to the fine line to the point where you use a disconnect, but if it gets a little too long or out of hand, it becomes a quote unquote addiction. Uh, you know, Reddit yeah. for an well, hour. Then, that's like, like hey, what, 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 what if I if I gave you an extra day of the week, what would you do with it? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe you would uh, you'd you'd pound a bong and watch TV. That's yeah. a perfectly reasonable option. But I like to think if I had an extra day, I would do. I would. I'd make you know. I'd be proud of it and do something. It doesn't even need to be valuable. Just something. Just something creative is is what I strive towards at least. Yeah. No kidding. No time's waste, right? Um, amazing. You're dead Talk. before you know it. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to go there. <laughs> Tom, Tom. So be, be, before we dive deep into self-development real quick, I want, I want to pick your brain on this. So you, you, you know, you started a CRM, which exited totally fine. You're at deal point now. So, you know, I, so for, for someone who's listening that maybe they're just started new young SDR, they love tech, they love SaaS, you know, that's just a quote unquote word, um, mm-hmm. just a phrase, just a slang word for, you know, for sales development part, how do we use tech and SaaS, tech and SaaS, tech and SaaS. Mm-hmm. And let's say, you know, they, one day it's their dream to become an owner of a tech and SaaS company, perhaps creating some type of software, like how you did at, at press point CRM. Let's say they came up with a bright idea, for instance, let's say, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Let's say they're, they say, you know what? I found a pain point. Um, I see a lot of enterprise AE. They're doing the medic process, but they don't have a, a, CR, a, a platform or software to track the medic process, to know who they're speaking to, which department, what means to what to who, leadership level, who to report to, and they want to create a software for that. What would you recommend them do to get started, to get out there? And what, what does it take? You know, you have to hire coders. That's oh, well, what I want. Uh, first of all, in that particular circumstance, they should read my white paper on mutual action plans and medic. Uh, I wrote a white paper on how to use mutual action plans to make sure you're tracking all the right points in a, in a medic sales methodology. Nice. Available nice. at dealpoint.io slash medic. I'm going to have to uh, take that. I'm going to take that. Yep. Yep. Um, so there's plenty of good ideas out there and the, I'd say the two things that I would, I would make two spreadsheets. One is a, a financial model of how much do you think people would spend to buy this thing and how much do you think it's going to cost for you to sell it? Because I've seen this many, many times you have got this thing and you know how much you can sell it for, but the, the numbers just don't add up where even if you're successful and even if you execute everything that you know, even if everything works like you think it's going to work, you still go out of business because the, the business fundamentals don't add up. So you want to be make, you want to make sure that the cost of your product and the cost of selling your product is less than the, the uh, revenue that you're getting in for the product. And it's real, real easy to discount, to discount how expensive people are. So I think that was my biggest mistake when I was modeling this earlier on, I was, I was modeling salespeople at, you know, three and four thousand dollars a month and that's not reasonable by the time they're loaded up they're seven eight nine thousand dollars easy and so you've got to figure out like, how much money do those people need to bring in to even come close to paying for themselves nice. so business model is is the first thing of how does this actually look on paper even if everything's cool for the product itself if it's software uh, my co-founder uh whose name is also thomas he had a, a great quote that uh every SaaS in the world was a spreadsheet at some point so so take whatever you know we were talking about those insights earlier Uh, a solution a a product is a like a an implemented solution right 
So see if you can do it manually for a few customers, first of all, whatever that insight you have, whatever that pain point is, do it manually as a, as a consultant or as something and it's hassle and it's in a spreadsheet and you've got to move this and tweak that and dial that, do that work and see if people appreciate it and if they'd pay for it before you get into the expense of building software to do it because you want to make sure that there really is uh, a market out there. And I also learned this, that your friends will all say, yeah, I would love to try that. Yeah, sure. I'll try that. Way different than a paying customer. Uh, like o- almost uh, a direct opposite of a paying customer because <laughs> they, they want to make you happy. They want to be polite to you. What you really want is someone who says, this doesn't do anything for me. That's so much better feedback because then you haven't gone down the wrong path or at least you're getting some feedback from, from real potential people. So do it as manually as possible, uh, first of all, before you even get into it. And I think the other lesson I learned is you can't hire or pay for the technical side. You have to find a co-founder who's in it with you like 50-50 or, or thereabouts um, <laughs> to, um, to actually make it happen with you. Because when I first had the idea of DealPoint, I was, I was shopping it around, like how much would it cost? And people were saying, yeah, I could build that for you for 30 grand. And I had 30 grand. That's pretty much all my, like, my startup capital. And if I'd done wow. that, I'd have, I'd, have, I'd have spent the money and I'd have had the first version of it that had never been tested. But then I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had any ongoing money to, to fix it and to iterate on it. And all the, the technical insights to, to make it better, it would be all a one-man show. And that, that's a recipe for failure. And there's so many devs out there who offer to do it on like a part-time CTO or contract CTO, they're just going to end up taking all your money and you're going to end up with a, with a beta product that maybe it meets the mark, but probably will miss the mark because you haven't put it into the market. And then you're paying the CTO guy, you know, it's going to take months to get traction and feedback. And so you can't afford to pay somebody who is good enough to be your partner at market rate. Cause Oh my you know, they're going to want my, 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 my business partner, Thomas could easily get $200,000 a year as a, as a, a, a CTO at a, at a, at a publicly traded, you know, at a proper company. Yeah. And so there's no way I could afford to hire him as a contractor to do my work. So the, the very first parts of deal point we had myself and, and Thomas, and then we had one intern who was who's still with us now. He's now one of our senior developers, but he came straight out of code school and he was, you know, he was affordable. We could, we could do that back then. And we've grown the team. We're profitable and all that stuff, but we did it um, without me going into massive debt. So don't, for Christ's sake, don't put your house on the market. You know, don't, don't mortgage your house. Uh, don't, don't do any of those crazy things. Cause it's, I think it's okay. Later on, you can make some bets, but don't make the bets early on before you've got some validation that it's not just you with the idea. Wow. Oh my that, that, God. You can tell that's from the heart, right? That was, yeah. that was true from the heart. That was amazing. The other, the, other, the, other key, the other key thing you've got to have, uh, so you've got to have a business partner. You also need to have a strong life partner. Uh, so uh, it can be the same person. Like my brother is my brother and his wife own a really successful software company 
they talk about software a lot though. So I don't know if I'd want to be married to it. I don't know if I want to be married to my business partner. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, my, my wife is instrumental to our success. You know, she, su- she supported the decision. She just supported the, you know, there were a couple of years when the income wasn't great. She saw that I was happier trying to make mine. So you know, she, she was instrumental in that support. Amazing. Ideally, you can find a life partner who has a job. <laughs> that makes it a lot easier. So my wife is a, stay- is a stay-at-home mom. So oh my that God. made it a little bit more challenging because we, we weren't able to rely on, you know, we, we, we didn't have an income to get by. So we had to be successful <laughs> real quick. And gotcha. we were real lucky that, that at deal point, we were able to start paying ourselves relatively quickly. Um, and then don't go out for funding until you absolutely have to, you, you've got to have customers before you even talk to the, before you even talk to, uh, investors, you've got to have real customers. Otherwise they're going to laugh at you. You've blown that one chance to go in front of them. And even if they do take you on, it's going to be at such a terrible, um, percentage that you're, you're going to be bought out and not happy on the, on the ownership. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. Okay. If, if that wasn't the true real price of admission here, I don't know what that is. That was amazing, Tom. Thank you so much for sharing that and shedding light. And, uh, you know, the reason this is, means so much to me is because I, so I've, I've been doing a lot of reviews on sales engagement platforms, just uh, comparing them, comparing trash. And there was this one time where I was even using four different kinds at the same time. And I even have a screenshot of it. And I started realizing, man, you know, for an SDR, BDR, for them to truly be successful, all they need is this, this, and this. And over here is too much. Over here, you don't really need it. And I thought about what, well, if I was to build my own, what, what would it take? What, what's the process like there? And you just shed light on that. And well, really I mean, that, that's, that's one of the things, right? It's, yeah. So between outreach and sales loft, I could definitely build a better outreach and sales loft. Uh, yeah. There's, there's bits about both of them I like, and neither of them, Neither of them have a great LinkedIn plugin that is as good as, um, shit. It's not Apollo.io, right? Or Apollo, Apollo, Apollo has a good plug. Apollo has a good uh, extension that yeah. you can grab the people from a list and throw them into, yep. throw them in. Um, but there's, there's another one. And I, Foxbound? Or Fox Zero? I think it's, I I think it's Foxbound. It'll, it'll come to me in a minute. Right after we hang up, it'll come to me. <laughs> um, there's no way you're going to beat any of those people on breaking into that market. And I think that's the mistake that we made in the CRM. We had great innovative features in our CRM, but there's no way we were going to push into the market. What was it? Without, Zant? Uh, Zant? No, no. Uh, I know another one. It's not Foxbell. Let me see here. Check my stuff. No. Gotta find out. So yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. Hit me oh, with that. No, no. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. I don't want to get too too trapped on, on who it is. But the point is that if you okay. grab this, you'd have a, a, a killer system. But you're not. That that's where that business case comes in. You got to figure it would cost me two thousand dollars to get each customer to push them out of outreach. Outreach is a year long contract, so I'm only going to be able to address one twelfth of my audience at any one time because they're still going to be in contract. So can you wait for a whole year? Can you live on zero income for a whole year until you start to see it coming in? And, and that's the part of the business model that, that has to be solid even before you do the, the very first line of code. 
Nice. Because numbers got to add up before you waste time on making it cooler. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's not persist IQ, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's not. Okay. I, I, okay. Let's, let's just fast forward. Any, any raw rat, any raw satch is the is the rep. So no I, I, I'm gonna have to check I'm, that out too. I'm, so I'm doing it here because Annie is great. Okay, let's find out. I, and is this and uh, live live on live on the internet? Uh, and this is a sales engagement platform, correct? Yeah. <laughs> lead IQ. Lead IQ. There oh, we go. Oh, lead IQ. Yeah. Sorry, Annie. Lead paper. Yeah. Yeah. Lead IQ. Oh. Fantastic. So any rusher? Is it any rusher? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The AE, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I know Annie. She's great. Um, she has an yeah. awesome little sister, Isabel, over at, um, over at Outreach now. She was uh, interning at Lead IQ, I think. So, oh, yeah. well, there you go. Keep, keep it in the family. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yo, yeah, Annie uh, Rusher, so, shout out to you. I got to get yeah. you on this pod next, girl. Annie, what? what? Annie Rusher. Um, she, uh, they have a great product. Um, it has a, it has great bits that I would love to see outreach have, but it doesn't have it. Gotcha. And yeah, it, it would kill me. So I'm, I'm using duck soup to, to replace the missing features in outreach. So half of our people use sales loft and half of our people use outreach just because of how the contracts yeah. lined up. Uh, but neither of those services are great. I want to build my list in LinkedIn. I want to, I want to use Navigator to search for a certain parameter of like, everybody who talked about mutual action plans. Right. And then I want to be able to pull that list into uh, Zoom, Zoom Info, get their information, and then push those into my cadence. Yes. Uh, but the going from a list to Zoom Info is real hard. Yep. Uh, the things I would love to do about Zoom Info, uh, we'll, have a se- we'll have a separate, uh, a separate uh, yeah. session badmouthing the, the UI of Zoom Info. <laughs> Fantastic data, fantastic data. <laughs> yeah. But man, if, if if only I could see what my colleagues, which contacts my colleagues have tagged, but you can't see what contacts your colleagues going after inside Zoom Info. Zoom Info knows, but they're not telling each person on the team what the other people are going for. You can't say, hey, this would be a good one for you. Yeah. But that's a that's probably a different podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why they say, hey, man check the crm make sure you check the crm man before you reach out <laughs> all right <laughs> okay check the crm that's right oh this my god the truth tom this has been amazing i know we're running up the time here but there's just uh, uh, a few things i just want to ask you real quick here just before for the audience takeaway so you are the ceo and co-founder of dealpoint.io yes let's say for our new sdr and bdrs reaching out right now um what are a few tips and advice you can give them to be strategic and to really earn the right and really breaking through the noise when it comes to doing outreach? Like, I guess my question is, if there's an SDR or BDR listening right now and they're prospecting to someone such like yourself, what would, you, what would be the secret sauce you would say to, for you to right, give so, them so, their time? So the, the one uh, I, I heard, don't uh, LinkedIn somebody and then immediately nail them with a the pitch. That is, it's so distasteful. And what you're going to end up doing is you're going to kill the golden goose because LinkedIn is awesome. But if everybody, the minute you say yes to a, a connection, bang, there's an aut- clearly automated uh, pitch being dropped into your mailbox. People are going to stop using the medium 
and you're going to kill the golden goose. So don't do that. Um, I can I can read automated emails. It's obvious when it's a when there's one variable place, and I can actually tell because uh, we're dealpoint.io. Uh, the actual company is called Dealpoint. So if if it says how are you doing from dealpoint.io, I know that they just dropped the variable in from LinkedIn, and so clean up your um, clean up your company names to make them friendly company names. So at least it reads like a human would say. Don't say, hi, how are you doing from Intel Inc. Incorporated? Just Intel. Uh, the, the way to get my attention is to be real short and say something interesting that was not automated. Because nice. I, I know exactly all the fields that ZoomInfo has. I know all of the fields. So I know, I know you can drop in that I'm in Portland, Oregon. I know you can mention what the weather is in Portland. I know that you can get my name, you can get my last name, you can get how many employees work at DealPoint, you can get the name of DealPoint. None of those things help me. I already know all those things. So tell me something that I don't know and offer to, to help me do something better and have some kind of trick about it. Not, not do you want to increase your sales? Well, yeah, yeah, of course I do. But every other list vendor and sales enablement tool and um, meeting setter as a service who hits me constantly, they'll say, are you tired of having too many leads? I didn't think so. Tell me, tell me what you do different than the other 14 people who just emailed me on that same subject. What is your insight as to how you do it differently? And there could well be something that you do differently. Like maybe you're an appointment setter and what your thing is, is that you, you send a telegram to people. That's, that's your differentiator because you know that people like physical mail nowadays. Tell me that. Uh, we, we're different than the other guys because or um, people are more likely to respond because. Tell me, tell me that insight and then I'll listen. And personally, you can, you can nail me because I, I have a, I'm a big believer in karma. So we have an outbound team who bangs their head against the wall all the time. And it's tough out there. So if you've got a good pitch, I will respond to you. And uh, if it's got a typo, I will tell you it has a typo. If I believe that it's 100% automated, I will say, are you a robot? And I will do my absolute best to be uh, a productive force of change in the world of sales. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Tom, thank you so much. Those were like golden words. Don't kill the goose. And really, yeah. if... if if, you, if they don't spend the time on you, why should you spend the time on them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the machine gunning is not productive. It's, it's, it's not going it's just, to... It's just not going to be successful. Unless you're selling something real, real commodity. If you're selling coal, oh, by all means, just email everybody who buys coal and say, I've got some coal that's slightly cheaper. But if, if you have a solution, you have to identify what that problem is and make some educated guesses about my situation. And uh, it doesn't need to be overly complicated, but just make a good guess about something that I'm experiencing that I haven't thought of. Amazing, amazing, I love it. Tom, thank you again so much for hopping on. Uh, thanks, thanks for just, having me. Just to wrap this up here, if there's someone who wants to reach out and say, thank you so much for the advice, what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, despite there being 25,000 uh, Tom Williamses on, on LinkedIn, <laughs> if you put in Tom Williams deal point, you'll find me. Uh, uh, LinkedIn friend me and say, I, I saw you on, on uh, Jackson's podcast. I will write back. Um, Amazing. If you say I was, I was browsing the internet and your, your profile popped up into my feed, I'll be a lot less likely to write to you.
Yeah. <laughs> and Tom, thanks again for hopping on. We truly appreciate you. Sweet. All right.